Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's Sarah Streming, the Cog Dog Coach, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I cover behavior concepts, discuss training ideas, interview experts, and explore my cases, all regarding the dogs we live and play with. Let's go. Hi, everybody. Today, I want to talk about something that is an idea that I see circulated regularly amongst my colleagues, amongst professional dog trainers. And the idea is that we should not be recommending to our clients to increase exercise in their dogs. And I find this, well, there's Rhea saying what she feels about that opinion. I find this difficult to grasp or understand. This is often shared by people I have a lot of respect for. But it's hard for me because I routinely recommend increased exercise in my client dogs because I find that the vast majority of dogs are being under-exercised and that it directly leads to behavior concerns. And so I asked Dr. Leslie Ide, sports medicine and rehab veterinarian, to come on today and talk to me about the science behind this idea that if we increase exercise, we will produce these kind of endurance monsters that cannot be appropriately exercised now. So, Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Let Thank me, you. Welcome. <laughs> so let me explain what this is, because essentially dog trainers say, or the dog trainers who are sharing this idea, say that it's not a good idea to recommend this exercise, that instead you should just train the dog to relax, because... If you recommend exercise, the dog's need for exercise will just increase, increase, increase. And so far in my career, so far in my personal life of living with dogs, I have not seen that to be true. I've seen the exercise need spike during adolescence and then kind of normalize in adulthood and then go down when they're older but I've never seen them just need more and more and more and be like insatiable. So I'm gonna shut up now and I want you to talk about the science. What, what is going on with this? Okay, well, I think that this is just a misinterpretation of the overload principle. Okay. Um, so in exercise physiology, we have certain, I'm just gonna call them basic principles that are kind of like the standard or the foundation for exercise physiology. And I think those are, you know, the big principles that everyone kind of hears and thinks they have a great grasp on. But the more you know, the more you realize how complicated it actually is. So let me just define the overload principle, which is when you told me about this, this was like immediately what came to mind to me. So the overload principle is the principle that to improve any aspect of physical fitness, the individual must continually increase the demands placed on the appropriate body systems. So I think where it gets mixed up here is what body system are we working on? Because you really only need to increase the physical demands if 
you want their cardiovascular system to get stronger. Like you have that kind of goal. If you don't, if you're like, they can just be at this level of fitness, you can do the same amount every day. You only increase if you want to get them stronger. Now the difference is, and this is where I need like the behavior science of it, Mm -hmm. is I think it's a mix of, you know, we're talking about exercise and using an exercise principle, but then saying how that affects the something in their brain. The behavioral outcomes, essentially. Sure. And actuality, that's not that's not the purpose for this exercising. Right. So let me talk about it from my perspective a little bit. The when I recommend an increase in exercise in a client dog, I never recommend well, I'm going to say almost never recommend that to be high adrenaline, high arousal, repetitive exercise. When I see dogs that have an exercise deficit, I am seeing dogs that have a hard time with self-regulation. They have a hard time often with in social situations, and they certainly have a hard time settling in the home. My goal is never to have the dog pass out from exhaustion after its exercise and my goal is also not to create those spikes in adrenaline that things like playing fetch or running agility or dock diving or you know a lot of those things do my goal is to help the dog have better behavioral outcomes because a basic need is being met i think what's not being talked about here is that we're talking about a species that is designed to move its body a lot more than our human lives allow for it to and we see bad behavioral effects in our dogs because of that basic need not being met So I am not talking about increasing endurance. That's not my concern. My concern is what is the effect on the behavioral outcomes? And in my practice so far, in almost 20 years of doing this, I have not seen a single dog have bad behavior outcomes from increased exercise, the kind of exercise I'm recommending. I've not seen a single dog need more and more and more and more of that exercise. In fact, the opposite has been true is that usually when we start out, if the dog's in a deficit, if the dog has not had this kind of exercise, they need a ton of it to see the effect. And then they kind of even out and the people can get to a more reasonable place. So that tells me that this idea that if we give them 30 minutes a day, one week, then next week they're gonna need 45 and the next week they're gonna need 60, is simply false from my evidence, and you're saying it's false from the scientific evidence as well. Correct, because you're not you're not trying. Your goal isn't to build endurance. If your goal was to be able to get the dog to run for three hours without being tired, that's how you would do it. But that's you would increase all the time. Right, you'd increase to help them adjust to that. What's interesting is when we look at human athletics. Yes, there is this time period of building where, you know, if you were on break or rest and Mm. then when you're building up to get prepared for the season, yes, you might find you are more tired. 
But again, it's not necessarily mentally more tired. It's your muscles are more tired. You find it mm. harder. Like you don't want to do a lot of movement. And I'm not sure that's what we want to, for the dogs, right? We're, Correct. Yeah. Where we make them so, like we're thinking, oh, this, we're trying to make them so tired that they just don't want to move. And I think this is where the problem is coming <laughs> from is that the trainers who are saying don't recommend more exercise are thinking that that's what I'm recommending. They're thinking that what I want is for you to run that dog until it can't do anything but sleep. Right. Which has been, you know, that's a principle in people's programs. It's not been a principle in mine. And I do think, you know, like we've heard of trainers who put a dog on a treadmill until it is so tired that it can't do much. Since my goal is not for the dog to just sleep during its time in the home. Like I'm still wanting to train the dog to relax. Yes. I'm still wanting to train the dog to sleep in a crate and to lie down on a bed in the living room. And I take that as my responsibility. I just know my job is going to go better if this basic need has been met. So I'm coming from a meet their needs standpoint, not from an exhaust them standpoint. Yeah. And I think what gets tricky is that it's not about the extremes there's a lot of room in the middle. So, you know, we've got this one side that we just talked about of having, exercising them so much that their body is physically exhausted. Yes, I can see how this cycle would create a problem. Cause yes, potentially you would have to do more and more and more to truly physically exhaust them. But that's so not If that our were goal. your goal, this would be true. Right. But since it isn't, it's not it's not true what we need to do versus you know the other side of the extreme is now saying well don't exercise them because you're just going to create this problem and it makes me think about well you know we could go to the total extreme and say make all your dogs fat because then they don't want to move and they well, you we know could, i mean we can get then, real there because i absolutely have seen dogs get overfed and under-exercised into being more sedentary. Right. Period. Because if that's the goal of like, I just don't want them to do a lot. Well, yeah, that's... You could go that direction. You could go that direction and Arguably say... a more reasonable direction to make them do nothing. Yeah. So where I want to keep circling back to is that each dog is going to show up at either my practice or yours needing kind of a certain amount of exercise. So if we take a border collie, for instance, it's the breed both of us have a lot of experience with, who is eight weeks old, a real short off-leash romp in the woods with the other dogs, and they're going to be sleepy enough to take a nap. Their crate training is going to be easy. Their other training is going to be easy. They're going to be nicely self-regulated. By the time they're six months of age, that short romp around doesn't work anymore. Is that because the dog is built endurance? No. So when they're eight weeks of age, we're taking advantage of the fact that they're putting a lot of their energy, and I'm talking about energy in the scientific way, not just mm -hmm. this vague concept of energy. They're putting their calories into develop, into growing and maturing and so yes as they get more and more close to maturity then they aren't going to need as much of that recuperation for that aspect of life and so it's going to seem like they need more exercise to get to that rest and I do think 
in the perfect world, that's why we take advantage of the puppy stage because we can not spend as much time exercising and still get these periods of relaxation, but then we can take advantage of that and teach them, hey, you can hang out while I do Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think we see it in people as well, where, you know, when you have a, a toddler, yes, they have bursts of very, very active movement and stuff, but then they go take a nap. And as they get older, we see less and less need for that nap. But mm. we don't say, it's you not know, because of don't endurance. exercise them. You've made them not need the nap. It's because they can use the energy that they were once using for growing towards physical activity. What's really interesting is I do think we see this in athletes as well, where, you know, when we look at a period of time, like typically in a lot of athletic schedules, we look at a year period and we have a building time, a maintenance time, and then a taper time. And if you measured amounts of rest during that year period, you would also find that most amount of rest actually probably comes during that taper time when you're doing less physical activity. That's interesting. You definitely have rest during the building, but then you hit this maintenance phase Mm -hmm. where yes, there's ups and downs. You know, we, there's periodization within that where you're working on different things and you're going to go up and down. But the goal is not again, to necessarily exhaust you. It's the goal is to work on certain aspects of fitness for your sport, but you still need to be able to function in your life. And I think that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for that type of existence in the The maintenance phase, the maintenance phase. So in my work, here's what I find is that certainly if you show up and you've got a two year old German short hair pointer, There's no class of dogs other than these young, especially pointing breeds, sporting breeds in general, but especially pointing breeds that I've experienced that need literally just so much physical exercise that it's hard for people to even start to tackle. So then if you've got a, let's say you've got a German short hair, it's two years old, and you live in a regular suburban household, and you are taking it, maybe jogging on a leash twice a day. That's even great, right? That's more than most people can do or do. But the dog is still really has a hard time with self-regulation, really has a hard time relaxing or settling in the home, is struggling with, you know, has been labeled impulsive, maybe even is having some reactivity issues. I'm going to walk in and say that's this dog has an exercise deficit, plain and simple. Most pet dog trainers, based on the sharing of these memes that's going around, are going to say, no, he just needs to be trained to relax. And I'm going to say, if you don't make meet his basic need, he can't relax. And the basic need is different dog to dog to dog, which that's where this gets tricky. That's where this gets hard, is that you need to have a baseline understanding of the dogs that you're working with, and then you need to be free to experiment with different amounts of exercise and kind of see what you find. Like Felix is a seven-year-old Border Collie who, if he doesn't get a certain amount of off-leash time in nature, he's not super functional in sports or life. Versus Iggy, she's 14, but when she was seven, when she was Felix's age, she could function with a significantly smaller amount of exercise and still be pretty functional in her life they're just different individuals so i think what it comes down to is that 
yes, by increasing, by pushing them, by increasing their exercise over time, you could increase more endurance. But what I find is that people have a really hard time giving, meeting even the amount of exercise their dog needs, let alone building endurance in those dogs. Yeah, especially with like that example. And I, you know, I love my pointers and have a, a big community of clients that are pointers. I know personally, I would never have that breed because I can't meet its exercise needs. And this is a person who has border collies and Australian shepherds, which have, which are considered to have very high exercise needs. And you recognize that these particularly hunting line, because the dogs that you tend to work with are actual working dogs, you know you can't do it. Yeah. You know it's not for you. When I look at like the exercise programs I have created for these dogs to get back to hunting yeah it's exhausting to me yeah I'm like I I would never dedicate this yeah amount of of time to my dogs. and how do they do when they're needing to be restricted behaviorally if it's tough yeah it's hard it's, on them it's very tough I would say that's the hardest for people now I think especially because you know I'm not necessarily fully restricting them from exercise because I don't believe in that, but it's much more controlled exercise, which is not what they are used to. Okay. You know, they're used to being off leash, working on freedom of movement and Mm -hmm. doing hills and training. Literally running through open land. Yeah. Okay. So essentially... What this comes down to is that the exercise needs need to be met first and foremost for behavioral health. I'm going to say it's true for physical health as well, but for behavioral health, certainly their exercise needs need to be met and it's going to vary dog by dog. But if you take that two-year-old German short hair and you say, no, 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 Sarah, the dog needs to be trained to relax and you need to balance the physical and the mental activities, I'm going to say good luck until the exercise deficit is fulfilled. I don't disagree that the dog needs to be trained to relax. I don't disagree that the dog needs a nice balance of mental activity as well. Cognitive enrichment is what I would call it. And still, you're not even gonna get there. Like, good luck if the dog hasn't had the amount of exercise it needs. I've known people like this. I'm not one of these people, but (laughs) I know somebody who, if she doesn't get her mountain biking, her trail running, her whatever in like every day, she is, and she would admit this outright, not a pleasant person to be around. She has a hard time in her marriage that if she can't have that kind of exercise, she had an injury that put her out for a long time for the better part of a year. And she really, really struggled with depression and other mental health concerns when she didn't get that kind of exercise. Unironically, she has Vigilas, and I feel like she is <laughs> pointer level exercise needs. I'm more, I'm not even going to say what breed I am. I feel like that's not, not a good idea, but knowing what you've got and knowing what you need to provide them is really important. But if let's say a person hears this and says, okay, I'm going to make an effort to give my dog more exercise. Can we just put it to rest that they're going to create this monster that then needs more and more and more? Because it's not about needs more and more. You could give them more and more and push them into a place of endurance, but you probably won't. And you'll probably find that kind of nice place for them that's a maintenance phase. Yes? Yeah. And I would say, because I don't think we've talked about this yet, is the type of exercise, right? And Right. Because Briefly I, in the beginning, but yeah, let's go me, into it. 
it's like when I when I think about an quote unquote exercise monster, what comes to my mind is not this that they just need more and more and more. It's the Labrador who's constantly demanding to play fetch. And in okay, my, yep. In my head, and granted, you know, we make up our own stories in your head. But to me, when I see that as a problem, when I hear that from people, it's because that is one, the only exercise they get to the only enrichment they get. Mm. Like it's all put in that basket of playing fetch for an hour. And so no, you're not going to get a dog who necessarily relaxes after that and, and saying it's because they need more time. I don't think is is actually what they need it's they need something else again their needs are not being met because this is not meeting their needs exercise that meets their needs in my opinion typically the amount of actual physical challenge varies dog by dog and that it is best found easiest to give if they're off leash in nature a lot of dogs can do just fine on a long line a lot of them can't a lot of them the long line just frustrates them so much that it's not helping sometimes you know yeah a jog around the neighborhood is going to be sufficient typically though what i'm finding is that it isn't that they need more and more tosses of that chuck it because they're an endurance monster they want more and more tosses of that chuck it because it's the only fun they have in their life they're really kind of seeking like we could get into some nerdy neuroscience here and kind of talk about why they want another hit another hit another hit but you know let's that's not of our areas of expertise but can you just kind of sum up this idea that yeah if your young dog seems like it needs more exercise probably give it more exercise and don't worry that you're going to make it an endurance monster yeah yeah and what i would go into kind of going back to that example of the like chuck it and needing more and more and more and again this not my area of expertise but what i would say i have found is instead of changing the variable of time and say oh i just need to add more time change the variable of environment Hmm. go somewhere different you know it doesn't need to be the same experience every day and I think again not my expertise but I think one of the things that has saved me in my busy life of you know clinic all day and having perhaps too many active dogs is the variety of what they might. And that I can take them for a 30 minute walk around the neighborhood that they don't typically get and that'll satisfy them. And that's because it's satisfying them mentally. Yeah, take them for two hours in the woods and get the same level of satisfaction. And it doesn't, the 30 minute walk doesn't build up to the two hours. It can be two hours in the wood one day and 30 minutes in the neighborhood the next day and it's the same level because they were like, oh, we're doing something different, is what I think. Sure, I think you're right. But also, if the trainer says, I want you to take this dog for 45 minutes every day off-leash run, the dog doesn't then require 60 minutes the next week to be emotionally and mentally satisfied. Correct. Because, and maybe this is something also we need to recognize or help the trainers recognize, is Mm. sports medicine principle you need days of rest in there. So saying go every single day mm. is probably not ideal for the dog's body. Okay. You maybe go six days a week. 
have a day of and rest. you have a day of rest. Okay. And in and the that dog's day now of rest, capable of a day of rest because right. its other days have been good. Right. And in that day of rest, technically, again, another principle, you're going to have some reversibility. So the body's going to say, oh, I didn't have to do that today. Cool. Yeah. I don't have to be pushed as much the next day to build strength or endurance if that's right. what you're going for. Right. I still don't think it matches up exactly with the brain stuff that we're thinking, okay. but if we like wanted to get down to like the nitty-gritty of the overload principle, it's also why there's always periods of rest built in. Okay. To sum it up, yes, your young dog probably does need exercise and you probably should give them exercise and don't be afraid of producing a super athlete because you probably won't. It would be extremely difficult for you to do, actually. Yes. I agree. You're not going to create a super athlete. I think because if, if you did, wanted to, you'd need a program from you, and it would be extremely difficult. Right, and yes? that's what I was gonna say. Is like I think if we were creating these super athletes, my job would be a lot easier because, because they I could be just, getting hurt. Well, no, because I could just say, oh, all you have to do is this, and every two weeks, you know, increase by fifteen minutes, and you just keep increasing, and I, you know don't have to put a lot of thought into their act. I see, because that's not ever what you're trying to do. You're right. not ever trying to produce a super athlete. You're trying to keep a dog fit yeah. in a fitness level. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, we've touched on this briefly, but to kind of round us out, genetics matter so much here. Like, you know, when I feel one of our super fit dogs, I'm feeling like solid muscle, but I'm also aware of the fact that it's easier for this super fit young border collie to be made of muscle than it would be for a lot of other types of dogs. And you're still not making them a super athlete by walking them an appropriate amount for their mental health, correct? Correct. I just think we'd have a lot more people especially in the sport world, Mm. canine sport world, being overwhelmed by what their dogs have to do to keep up with staying at a certain level in their sport. And and if that was the case, no one would want to do the sports. They would be like, I can't. I can't handle this. Like my life completely revolves around the dog. And I can't do anything else because I constantly have to up the amount of yeah exercise they need to stay at this level so your pet dog client giving their dog more exercise is probably going to be good for them and the dog and is going to help your training plan and is not going to produce a super athlete to summarize the end the end Leslie, where can folks find you if they want to know more about what you do? My website is thetotalcanine.com, but you're probably more likely to find updated information on my Facebook page, which is also under The Total Canine. Perfect. We will link both of those in the notes. Thanks so much for clearing that up with me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you heard this podcast. And don't forget to join Patreon at patreon.com slash cogdogradio. And if you're interested in more content like the stuff you heard here, I hope you'll check out my online courses, my membership, and all of my offerings at my website, sarahstremming.com. See you there.